Welcome back, Punchy Pals, to another episode of Punches and Popcorn as we dive further into the world of John Wick. Or as my son said, we should call ourselves for this series, Gunches and Popcorn. So <laughs> I, I'll, I like I'll let you decide, uh, you know, what you want to do. But with us today, it. we have I'll our crew and we actually have a special guest. We have two special guests. Uh, we are joined once again, our master of Wickfu, our great friend and generous host to... Recording this episode, Chris Lindstrom of Food About Town. Hello, podcast. hello. Thank you, and again, lovely to have you back. Lovely to be recording in your wonderful Food About Town studio. Uh, it's a beautiful evening here, and my voice is going to sound tremendous. I apologize in advance about <laughs> sniffles and coughs. It's uh, allergy season. We are, you know, in sunny Rochester, New York. We are just always in the best of states. And what a deal. It's only getting sweeter here. Uh, so, yeah, we we have Chris, and we have... Our crew again, I'm your host, Mike Huntone. I also have with us the genius, Jason Bills. What? My name is Jardani Jovanovich. I'm a child of the Belarus, Mike. An orphan of your tribe. You are bound to me. You are bound to help me, and I am owed. Oh, man. I, I think I now owe uh, Jardani the genius a marker. I, uh, we'll, we'll figure that out afterwards. Uh, okay, also, we'll, we'll worry about it later. And, of course, we also have with us the illustrious Dr. Dominic DeMore, but it's not just him. Uh, we are, in fact, tonight four men and a baby because there is behind the scenes a uh, small child here with us that the incredibly talented walking weapon is both uh, being vicious on the mic and tender as a father. So, um, you know, if he disappears in anywhere here, it's probably because he's doing his best dad work there, but... Uh, let me not speak for you, Dr. DeMore. Uh, let's say hi to the crew. Well, uh, I remember last time I had uh, my kid on the show, you guys called me the swaddler. <laughs> but he's walking now, so he's not being swaddled. So I guess I'm the diaper wiper now or whatever. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, happy to be here. I got back from jujitsu working on my toe holds. If you don't know what a toe hold is, it's a great way to break someone's ankle. Not very good at it, though. I find John Wick doesn't break any ankles. I hope in the fourth one he does some ankle breaking, mm. or some, or actually, there's a move called um, called the heel hook that actually breaks your knee by rotating the heel. So yeah, that's a good thing. Wow. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Like you, the sound of that. Well, yeah, we'll find ta out. Ta tap early, tap often. You don't <laughs> want to mess with that. <laughs> I think what we know for sure is John Wick three is for the whole family. <laughs> exactly. So, and that's the movie we are diving into this wonderful family film tonight. It's like Wu Tang. It's for children. <laughs> John Wick Three yeah. is for the children. I'm thinking I'm back. And we are back. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and so many kid friendly. There's a lot of animals in this movie. So, but I don't want to spoil the pot here. Um, I'm hoping that we can get this kicked off uh, and get us in the mood here with a uh, lovely gospel of the guillotine. You got it, genius. Genius. I'm a genius. He's genius, eh? Wily Coyote. Super genius. Was it you, genius? You little genius, you. Being a genius certainly has its advantages. 
I don't even know what to do right now. That's the first time I heard that. <laughs> so this this was a little bit of a surprise. I've been working on some drops for the boys, so I made that one the other day. I thought you'd like that. So that's your new intro to your segment. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I could not live up to that. That is fantastic. All right. So I'm trying to be quick tonight with my, my gospel because I tend to ramble. But um, so I'm talking about conspiracy theories around John Wick. Um, because mm. I think with movies like this, when they're kind of vague or, or they don't really like spell everything out, that leaves, leads way to fan theories. So there's a ton out there if you look on the internet, which is what I did. Um, I think my, my favorite one, and it's kind of obvious one, but it's uh, that John Wick is just a matrix simulation. We're still stuck in the matrix. Neo is there, obviously the same actor Keanu's in both of the films. That's kind of the main tie-in, which helps with this theory um but there, there's a lot of decent like uh groundwork there to, to tie these two movies together obviously the stunt coordinators of matrix went along eventually to do john wick the the, the stu the two main stunt coordinators so um that is another tie-in but but what is like thematically interesting, I think, is um, there's certain fans that think it's a prequel to the Matrix Ooh. and that this is just a simulation uh, Neo had to deal with or or was sidetracked with before he kind of, you know, was taken out of the Matrix. Um, I kind of like the sequel. There's also a sequel to the Matrix um, fan theory, too, which is there's there's certain things that I, that I like about it is so um, the Trinity thing. So Trinity um, is you know, lead, uh, Carrie Ann Moss, co-lead, uh, she, you know, would be, uh, is, is his wife named Helen? Yes. Yeah. So she's sort of like this, like grieving thing for, for Trinity dying. She is actually Helen. And this is Neo sort of like working through his emotions, losing her. And it's, but it's also a simulation. So they're just trying to kind of sidetrack him and kind of keep him, you know, under Ooh. longer. Uh, in the simulation. So I think that's kind of interesting. Obviously you have other tie-ins like, like Lawrence Fishburne also being the Bowery King in here. Um, there's even fans that thought in the fourth John Wick that um, Lawrence, it doesn't happen, spoiler alert, but <gasps> that would, uh -oh. would have been kind of awesome if he was just like, hey, um, when would be the architect there's a lot of good tie-ins here there's even certain like dialogue that is carried over between both movies at one point uh neo from the matrix says guns lots of guns uh in this movie we're going to talk about tonight parabellum uh john wick says guns lots of guns there, there's it's, it's kind of interesting and i i'm a fan of that theory i want to quickly discuss some other ones though um another one is not specific to john wick it's specific to keanu reeves Ooh. um there's conspiracy theories out there that he is immortal um there are um oh my god there's a cute child uh, it's a video thing so i <laughs> rambling. but um so there's um kind of portraits of charlemagne out there this is back in 748 when he was born um 80 and people think that that is keanu um charlemagne's burial <laughs> was never um i guess there were some conspiracies around it like no one actually saw the body so he could have survived and then in the 1800s into early 1900s there's this um scientist turned actor or vice versa named paul uh, monet um not monet monet and um Again, an actor, kind of random, who looks just like John Wick from his portraits or his photographs. Oh, that's cool. Um, and Keanu was questioned about it, and he did not deny it. And I think that's pretty interesting. So <laughs> he could actually just have been around for hundreds of years now. 
um, which explains his evolved state because he's just been kind of like figuring out Zen. Uh, other fan theories I like, um, this takes place in the Raid universe. And again, this ties into tonight's episode oh, where yes. a couple of actors of the Raid. So they're saying that the John Wick universe and the Raid cinematic universe are in the same, uh, you know, same world, which I, oh. I kind of love too. Which yeah, I, I love that I kind so of much. Like, that's my favorite theory. And then quickly, the last one is that um, John Wick is trapped inside a video game. And oh, there's certain okay. things which tie it into there, like, um, you know, John will take multiple wounds or, or you know, gunshot wounds and survive. Like, that's very kind of video gamey that you could just keep going, even though you have bullet wounds. That the Continental is kind of like a shop where you, you know, you go and you get your gear and your supplies. Um, other stuff, the coins, you know, it's like, oh, here's this coin that gives me, you know, whether I need body cleanup or a gun or whatever. So the currency is kind of wonky. Um, that's very video gamey. And then finally, like other stuff, like when Winston kind of stops the crowd there at the end of two, that's sort of video gamey that like all these people around John Wick aren't reacting to the fact of him John Wicking. So there are. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty cool idea. I like that. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are. Enough, there's enough there where it, where it works. And I, I guess, like, again, the fan theory eventually ev evolves out to uh, some type of movie installment where he realizes he's in a video game and he has to go and kill his creators, which, again, I thought that was sort of clever, sort of lame. But oh, um, interesting. I, I kind of love that John Wick has inspired such fan, ra rabid fan base in their conspiracy uh, nonsense. And, <laughs> that last thing? That yeah. last one? Yeah. Tron Wick. Oh, Tron Wick. Oh, that's Tron what, Wick. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Yes. I was thinking <laughs> Wicket Ralph, but that's. Oh, boy. <laughs> There's Both a lot of avenues here. You, you two did great right there. That was pretty <laughs> sweet. Yeah. I like that. Listen, well, you know, as right now the universe is being expanded with the world of the continental on, I think, mm. Peacock, right? Yep. Yes, starting to come out episodes. soon. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, the world is expanding. So, uh, you know, who owns this uh, Lionsgate? If you you know hear any of this and you're like I'm these are these are some money making ideas. Uh, Punches and popcorn is definitely available to to consult. So Punches and popcorn at gmail.com. Right, yep. Let us know, man. Uh, we're ready to expand the Wick universe. Wait, we're are you ready to punch up their script? Oh, oh exactly. Oh, and, oh with this hard. kind of gold, I really feel like we just got to jump into this. Ooh, so, boy. you know, yeah. I was really remiss earlier, and thank you for bringing this up. So the movie again tonight we're talking about is John Wick 3, but not just John Wick 3, John Wick 3 Parabellum. So we get another, you know, it could be like John Wick 3 Trinity or John Wick 3 Tokyo Drift. Um, you know, there's a, this enters into the realm of fun third movie additional titles. So let's not mm -hmm. leave out that Parabellum because that's a really fun. <clears throat> and it's the first time we have a subtitle or a extra. It's not just John Wick and a number. John Wick Parabellum. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, let's let's jump Is into it. Is it Parabellum or Parabellum? I've always called Based it on I have no idea. Based <laughs> on the pronunciation of the movie, Parabellum. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It is. I'm just but, being a jerk. It does sound good. I go with the second one. Now you're being the professor. Well, guys, let's let's jump into the movie and let's uh, you know, I kind of like there's so much in this movie, so let's kind of jump through the P and just jump through it step by step. So this movie, just like the last one, uh, you know, starts with <laughs> the seconds, minutes after the last movie ended. So it's boom, boom. So they leave you with a cliffhanger and John Wick two, as we talked about, three picks up right there where John Wick has been excommunicado. 
Uh, but he has this 60 minute window and it's, and he starts, uh, right from there where the whole assassin world is going to go back And John wick. This is really what seals the, I didn't think before that I could love John wick more, but then he starts his little, uh, fun adventure by going to my favorite place in the world, the library. So (laughs) John, John wick. Thank you so much. Support your local library. And he is all about that, uh, where we get into a deluge of fights. So I mean he, um, he makes I mean he makes books cool in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he really does. And so much so that um I was kind of when when I first saw this movie, I was kind of like movie nerd whiny where I'm like, well, Jason Bourne used a book once, but I think John Wick, uh, you know, upgrades. So I, th- I think Bourne used a magazine at first, but then eventually he upgraded to a a novel-sized book. But but John John uh, outdoes Bourne as far as I'm concerned with how he uses that weapon. And if I recall, doesn't he like stick it in the guy's mouth and then break his neck with it and oh, stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. And, uh, the Tome and... of Justice, right? There. Yeah. <laughs> and wasn't that guy former basketball player? I don't know his name. I'm not an NBA guy. Current, but he's... current basketball current, player yeah. Boban Marjanovic. Yes. I, you know, oh, I thought oh, of you. Oh, right yeah, it just away. rolls off the tongue. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's he's seven foot five. Yeah, I believe. I believe it. He's a giant. So he uh, he played for a while for the Mavericks. Uh, he does have a contract for this upcoming season. He's thirty five, so still in the NBA and uh, being uh, Boban every day. Yeah, he was playing for the Sixers when this came out. Too. Yeah, I'm a casual NBA fan, and the Sixers are the team. I'll. Support if they're at. so I remember a lot of talk about like Boban's in this game. Yeah, he he's been this a, movie. He's been a, he's been a good backup five for a number of teams, but not nice. not a starting guy, but a start a starter in all of our hearts. Yes, of course. There you yeah, go. I actually thought of you right away, Chris, when I was watching this because I know that you are a basketball fan. Absolutely. So like, oh yes, I bet he recognized. Oh him. yeah, no, I was in the theater. I'm like, oh, it's Boban. Boban's <laughs> in the movie. That's awesome. <laughs> And, you know, it's one of these things, too, where when it's an NBA player, like, these guys tend to be, like, a level of tall that's just otherworldly, right? When he's like, on the highest levels of that, I mean, he's 7'5". Right, like, he's, right. He's like taller, he's, he was the tallest guy in the NBA basically every year. Right, right. Jeez. Right, yeah, he's he's ridiculous. And uh, fun fact, I saw he actually did all his own stunts in this, like, that fight scene. They said he there's no bonus. Like, he, he committed to, like, learning going in and doing the fights, and he did that all himself. So, yeah. again, while he's an active NBA player, like, yeah, we might get impressed when, like, uh, you know, an active football player or something goes on Dancing with the Stars. This guy went on Dancing with the most dangerous person in the world. Yeah, he came off pretty well, too. Yeah, pretty solid. I mean, he's no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but... <laughs> well, right, yeah. But I think, you know, he, he, he uh, acquitted himself well. Very I mean, serviceable. Yeah, right. and in that in that first sequence, I mean, we're we're talking like this is like the you know it's you know really tense you know going through that time taking down you know he's going to the library but he's going to get of course there's a picture of his wife there's always a picture of his wife of you gotta have that you gotta remember that movie. gotta yeah. remember the wife. Um, How much was the actor paid for not being in any of these movies? Seriously. Oh, I mean, I, I <laughs> hope she got paid. Hand, she's a quality actress. I'm sure she got paid. Yeah. Well, you gotta right, yeah, she's not picture. exactly a nobody. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, I'm excited to do that one, too. Oh, oh yeah. nobody, that's a great movie. Oh, oh yeah, that's let's do that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, so, I mean, it's fun. You know, he's going to the library, getting the picture, but he's also getting... He's getting coins. Yep. He's getting a marker. Yep. But he's also getting something new. He's getting a cross Ooh, that we don't yeah. know where it comes from. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So this whole the you the universe of assassins in this uh the the world of the high table already right away, just in terms of physical trinkets expands and we'll see that yeah this is basically a final fantasy game so i feel like you start off as one party member you go into a place everyone you know what the only thing it didn't have was him running down the street and talking to people and then being like you should go to the library have you checked out the library go to the library and then he goes into the library and he finds a treasure (laughs) chest and he opens it and he gets the prize and then all of a sudden and he has to fight the giant and that's basically it and my kid keeps jangling my keys Stop, you little creature. Just imagine ah! this. If, if you hear, hear the sound of those keys, just imagine it's actually the sound of, of brass casings hitting the floor as John is just so, laying wow. waste. Are, are, you are good at this. Are we putting a $14 million bounty <laughs> on your child's head? <laughs> it's not going to go well. He's too cute to kill. Like You're going to hold a gun to his head and just be like, oh, you're so cute. Uh, I think if we did that... And then he'll throw a diaper at your face, and you'll be like, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, and then he'll break your neck. I, I think uh, it's so. frowned upon to kill family members of yeah. uh, Punches and Popcorn uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Dom's wife would uh, consider him excommunicado yeah. if that <laughs> happened, and then it would be, uh, you know, again, just just like in John Wick in here, then a, a wild dash through the streets of New York and into a museum of... Knives and guns and stuff. So I do have to pivot one. So I don't yeah, want to pivot, forget. Pivot. So there's one of my favorite people in all of comedy is in this movie. He's oh, three yes. scenes. Oh yeah, so randomly. So we get we get three scenes with Jason Manzukas. Yes. Yeah. Just like every moment he's on the screen, he's just like, "Yep, I, I'm I'm Jason Manzukas on the screen." <laughs> TikTok <laughs> history. Believe he's in this movie, which is great. Too. I know. It just yeah. again, he just shows up there. Also on one of my favorite podcasts, How Did It Get Made. Oh, yep. absolutely. Well, yeah. and then it's like, you know, TikTok was like, no time to dilly-dally, Mr. Wick. And he's just so Manzuka's on the screen. Oh, and yeah. that that was awesome. And you get your yeah. little exposition things. But, yeah, like, you're right. And we go see the doctor from Wick 1, which was great. Yep. We get yes. that little scene where he's like, oh, no, you got to shoot me because they're not, never going to believe it. Pop him in not the Not once, but twice. Yep. So yep. Good. He's like, no, once isn't enough. Pop him in the shoulder. Pop him in the side. Yep. And it was it's great. Like, it's we're really you're getting those little nods to the old movie, but not yep. not too much. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it's kind of having that countdown at the beginning really sets it. Like, it just adds to the pace of it. Like, you get right into the, right into the draw and the, like, the, again, that the tick-tock, Mr. Wick, like, yeah. time's moving. and Well, and I, I think to your point, Mike, as we're going into the weapons museum, which I'm like, amazing. Like, the fact that there's a weapons museum, like, in this area, how perfect. Like, That's so of, great. of course there was a weapons museum, but I think that really, that turned, that turned it where it started to be really obvious that this movie more than the other two is very samurai and Western driven. Yeah. Like this is super Absolutely. samurai and Western driven the whole movie. Like mm-hmm. that is so obvious from then on, you know, the way the sounds happen in that whole yes. scene in the weapons museum are so western and samurai style and this is this is so overtly like overtly tied to those things like they were in the first ones but this is so overt and it's really fun to see them like go completely into that into that realm of things yeah it is i i had flashbacks to like uh jason called this earlier the the raid like some of the fights in in the weapons museum that quick fast 
hand-to-hand, like, back and forth made me feel like it recalled a lot of the fights we saw in in the raid. Dom, I'm really interested. I felt like right away in this we get, like, way more hand-to-hand, you know, where I feel like this, uh, you know, if we were questioning that, oh, John Wick, it's really a lot of guns. Is this really a martial arts movie? Which, uh, of course, we've talked about before. It is, and we've talked about the martial arts influences, but... Uh, just as you said, Chris, like it, especially in the beginning here, you can feel that. I mean, you see it right away. So I'm really interested, Dom, and what you, uh, I don't what like what was he doing in that? Do you know like what styles or? Oh, so do you mean you mean the martial arts style yeah. that John Wick uses? Well, John Wick actually, it's interesting. In this movie, he uses way more Aikido because what I did in okay. the other two movies, and I'm going to do in this, is I just sat there and I'm like. Excuse me. Where That's our guest star. <laughs> uh, well, it is. I sat there and I just wa- I watched it and I was like, all right. And I paused it and rewinded when I didn't catch it right away. But most of the moves were judo. Honestly, in the first one, they were almost all judo, except for like some Aikido crap here and there. Right. right? This movie, he has a lot more Aikido. Uh, the Aikido moves, and I, um, excuse my pronun- pronunciation, um, I think one is Kodageshi which is a wrist lock. So you ever notice how he grabs the guy and he twists their wrist up, yeah, right, yep, and yeah. kind of holds them? And, uh, and then he goes a Koshinagi, nice... which yeah. is a hip throw. He does a lot. So those two moves. So his Aikido, I don't, I, I mean, unless I miss something, his Aikido isn't very diverse, but he does a lot of Aikido, a lot of, a lot of flips, a lot of uh, wrist locks. Um, of course, he does a lot of judo. It, this movie's like rife with judo. There's tons and tons of judo in it. Um, the weapon stuff is a little bit more is a little interesting in this. I noticed there's much more um, as far as like knives and swords and axes. Like yeah. he throws an axe at the guy's head. He stabs a guy in the eyeball. Um, like the sword play in this is actually really interesting because you have those, I believe they're all Japanese because of the, no, 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 they're not all Japanese because, uh, the one guy who will always be Manny from, um, Brotherhood of the Wolf, he works at a sushi place, but I'm not sure we guys, we got to do Brotherhood of the Wolf at some point. I mean, you know. Like, oh, we're getting to Dacascos. Oh, yeah, we're, yes. oh, we're, we're getting get to, to Dacascos. Yeah, he's he's yeah. not going to be yeah. left aside. Yeah, he's the chairman from uh, from what you call it from uh, Iron Chef. Uh, I never saw Only the Strong. I'm not excited to do that one, but we might <laughs> need to do it anyway. So I believe he's supposed to be Japanese, right? But the other yeah. guys are Indonesian. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, that's 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 a fun part. Like it's like the movie really it is a little bit diverse as well because we've got, um, you know, even in that, even in that weapon scene, like you're not just getting, you're not just getting all the different, it's not, it's a Chinatown museum, but you're not just getting that. You're getting old revolvers. And of course, yeah. Wick knows how to assemble a revolver. Oh yeah. Which fun thing I read that was a knot where he's assemb- putting all the pieces together to assemble it was a nod from uh, one of my favorite movies, especially from my recent Western kick the good bad the good the bad and the ugly where uh, the ugly um, I can't think of his name now Clint Eastwood I assume no not Clint Eastwood oh. uh, Jason help me out um, oh my God you're putting me on the spot here so oh, well, well, everyone well, knows who the ugly is yeah He's anyway ugly. It, yeah. there's a scene in there where he constructs a revolver out of like pieces and all that this is an intentional <laughs> nod to Eli it. Wallach Eli Wallach right nice. and I'm trying to, Tuco that's his name oh, in the is. in the movie I would have yeah. known that immediately. Well, I mean, yes. yeah, that 
and th- this is where we start getting all those noises. You get like the Western gung noises. The first yep. time he shoots it is yep. like right out of a Western. Oh yeah. yeah. And you know, all the huge glass breaking noises are just like, they just explode out of your speakers right. every time they do it. Yeah. And oh you're right God. with all the knives, like the mm. knife throwing yeah. is so awesome. And it was just action, 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 straight hammer time. Um, yeah, and I feel like it's a bit more like, uh, so this is a trend I've been noticing in the movies, and as I'm going to say again, it's not necessarily a bad trend, but I find my, I need to suspend my disbelief a little more with each movie. So the first movie, I'm like, can I help you? And we're having some technical difficulties. We're going to take our commercial break, and we'll be right back. Ah! And welcome back, everybody. Before that short break, uh, Dr. DeMore, I believe you were talking about the suspension of belief a little more in this movie compared to where we started earlier in the series. Yes. I'm sorry about the delay. I had to put him down. No, he's, he's hopefully in bed. So we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, so so I think suspension of disbelief, I feel like each movie is a little more outlandish, which creates a different movie because like good action movies are often outlandish. Like, you know, we're not at commando level outlandish, you know, where Arnold just runs out into an open field, swings his machine gun around, spraying bullets everywhere and a bunch of like you know, poorly defined villains just drop. We're not there, but it gets a little bit more like, like fun in a way. Uh, so like the knife fights where he's throwing the ax and he stabs the guy in the eye. Um, also, and, and um, also the sword fighting, the way those guys take out the way the, the, the samurai esque guys yes. take other guys out with the, <laughs> like, you know, the dramatic noises. Yes. That's cool as hell. I love it, but it's a little bit more, you know, which is good, which is good. Um, also a fair amount of sea lot in this because we have our friends from the raid who are also with the Japanese guy and, uh, doing their thing. What is his name? Zero. zero. Is that his name? Yep. Zero. zero. Yeah. yeah. We, we uh, like I said, he'll always be many, but he's zero in this and he's great. He's so good. He's yeah. so much fun. Well, and I think that's I think that's a great description of this whole movie though. Is it's it's definitely more, right? I mean, we've gone yeah. from yeah. 1 to 2, with 2 was much more. 3 is definitely more. I think we got a little bit of diminishing returns this time on more being better. Yeah. Um I think it was still great, but I think so. we had a few moments where more wasn't better in this. The action scenes, not those. Like those are amazing. Like these you know, these tight quarter scenes oh, were yeah. awesome. And how we, after this, we rolled right into, like, we got horse in the middle of New York City. We got horse stable <laughs> kicks to the face. Right, right. We got riding hor- a horse through New York City fighting motorcycle gangs. <laughs> I mean, it was it was great. And all that's in the first 30 minutes of the movie, right? right? That's yeah. even less. Like, it's fast. It's like 23 yeah. minutes. I, t- right. I looked at it, like, 23 minutes, and that was all of that, which is oh, yeah. wild. And then it gets to really where... So we talked about with the the items, the equipment, right? We get right away with the adding the rosary uh, addition, like that opens up the world. But then we get a really big uh, all through this battle. John Wick finds what he's looking for and goes to meet the director, and that really blows open the world a lot because this is the first time that we really get any background into. John Wick's past. So the director, again, played by the legendary Angelica Houston, um, 
what do you guys think about the again we start we as Jason <laughs> hinted at earlier uh in his introduction we we learn his name we learn more about him uh yeah it's this like what do you guys think about like now we get a little background on John Wick yeah I mean I I kind of like this I like this much of it you know I like we get a little bit of background it's not like we didn't get like, oh, and you had such a tortured childhood, and now we know why <laughs> right, John right. Wick is John Wick. Yeah. It's not like it's not like the you know like the new versions of some of the horror movies where oh, you had a bad childhood, so now you're this. No, it's just like yeah, we're we're all these dancers are fighters, all the wrestlers are fighters. They're all training hard, ripping off toenails, <laughs> like yeah, doing ballet. It was rough and it was great because it was quick and it was like yeah, this is the other side. This is the what is they called the Ruskaroma? This is the uh, yep. this is all that stuff, and it's. I thought it built well. I thought this was the good version of more being, more being better. And we got some amazing quotes. How can you fight the wind? How can you smash the mountains? How can you bury the ocean? How can you escape the light? I'm like, yeah, oh, and you got man. a great actress to deliver that stuff too. Oh, yeah, so that, good. That, that could go wrong dialogue like that. What I really liked about it though is um, tying. Like I, I think like a snootier, you know, person would think that you know ballet is like a physical art i kind of love the thematic ability or or what the movie's doing is is you know action and physical action in terms of like like dom as you always talk about with your skills of jujitsu like that is an art too like we should not discount physical uh, ability as an art in terms of fighting in terms of gunplay so i love the tie-in between the artistic ballet in terms of maybe that's John Wick's origin. Maybe he was one of those, like a youngster on the stage doing that. And then eventually forming into, cause they're, they're just basically an assassin farm. So I, I love that fact that we're saying, Hey, this ballet that, you know, classy people like action movie, violence, hand-to-hand combat gunplay. That is art too. So that's what I love that tie in. It's performance are... art. I mean, yeah, in, in a sense and martial arts and performance art, like they overlap quite a bit. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. There is this. There, there is, there is uh, an idea that martial arts should be functional, but some martial arts are more functional than others, and some are more for sport fighting. And when you think about it, what is sport fighting? Sport fighting is entertainment. You know, it is also competition. And then you have other kinds of things where they're just for performance. Or it's more leaning towards performance. And, like, we saw Dirty Ho. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. That movie, like, I don't know how much that fighting would actually work in real life to hurt someone. <laughs> but it was super, super impressive. So, like, right. I mean, it all kind of comes out in the wash. Like, between, you know, admiring the spectacle that is based on violence. And, and let's call it what it is, violence. Ballet is not based on violence, but it is, I don't, I couldn't do that. Like, it seems I mean, very, very, very difficult. It's kind of self-violence. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in, in a way, it's like it has, I mean, these are kind of like Eastern Europe stereotypes here. You need to be able to do sambo. You need <laughs> right, to be able to right. do ballet. You need to be able to do gymnastics. The Russian ballerina. You need, the, right, yeah. The sambo. Yeah, it has a kind of little bit of leaning into stereotype territory, but it's all this idea. Like, I just imagine, you know, the coach, the, you know, these, these like, Eastern European coaches yeah, being like, sure. I bought you from your parents. Now you must work until you bleed, you know, yeah. that kind of thing, like in the movies. So there was a little bit of that, but it was also fun. Um, what I also like about it is it's just enough to, to, you know, moisten the palate 
And then you're like, okay, that's good. Like, I don't need yep. to know he trained 18 hours a day, or I don't need to know, like, his best friend was some guy named Vlad, or any of, like, his... I don't yep. need all that stuff. Too much. Clearly, oh. yeah, clearly he just is like, all right, clearly you were trained here, yeah. or at least partially trained here, and right. you're really friggin' good. Mm-hmm. Moving on. And, and like yeah. I said, it's not, like, like, I said it last time, and I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it. We are obsessed in cinema nowadays with world building and right. world building can be too much when you don't have anything but world building this is a perfect example of world right. building but not at the sacrifice of plot or character development right. and so i really appreciate that yeah. well and i think it respects the audience too because you can set this idea of here's a spy training school like a russian spy training school and we have they know like they respect the audience enough to know whether it's something like a movie like Red Sparrow or Black Widow where we've seen this, you know, played out for, like, the entire movie or something like, uh, oh, man, one of my favorite shows, The Americans. You get, like, bits of that in flashbacks. Or something funny that I actually thought of this. It made me think of it during this. But something funny like Wayne's World, right? When he, like, opens the door, he's like, I always just wanted to open the door to watch guys being trained for something. <laughs> and, like, that's what the Sambo scene kind of... But they respect us enough to know, like, yep, we get the point. We know what's going to go on here. We don't need to see, like, and then they sent him out at 13 to kill his first woman or something. Like, we don't need to go all through that. We we don't need that James Bond scene. Right. Um, Right. Yeah, so, I mean, we do get, and we do get him cashing in his ticket. So now he's, like, excommunicated from his family. Yep. Um, But but then, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and I think this, this is the start of the rest of, this is the start of the theme of the movie. Yeah. Which is consequences, right? Yep. Every everything is consequences. And he's calling in his own ticket with his family, even though he knows it's gonna cause pain. Yep. Yep. Because he has no choice. Yep. But this is this is the movie, right? This is the start of the movie is consequences. It is. And then it really takes us to uh, more consequences where the world is expanded even more. And this is where I'm interested as we go through this discussion whether we think it's almost too much, and that now, as that's happening, we're then introduced to this amazing character, the Adjudicator, and we start to see what are the consequences, not just for him. I love the That's perfect. And it really is a theme, because then we see what are the consequences for Winston and the Bowery King, the people that helped him, even though Winston's the guy that called the excommunicado. Like, there's consequences from the high table, and all now, for the rest of the movie... Uh, we're going to see those consequences both with him and these others all happening kind of at the same time and reading to a really like a dramatic conclusion. But before that, again, so we know John's off to Casablanca, but then we see we're introduced to the adjudicator. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Can I, can I jump in with the adjudicator? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Please. Absolutely. You know, cause they always talk about rules, rules, rules are what yes. separate us from the animals and which, which I find to be an ironic thing. Cause we're way more violent than the animals in this movie. <laughs> the animals, you know, it's funny, like it separates us from the animals. I'm like, this movie is a love letter to dogs. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's almost ironic. But what I also find interesting is that statement is kind of bullshit. It's kind of bullshit, and this movie shows where it becomes bullshit because they adhere to the rules, and they adhere to the rules, and they adhere to the rules. In the first two movies, like, in the first movie, to the letter. And then in the second movie, the Italian guy, he plays with the rules because he fucks with the high table, right? And they're like, oh, all right, well, you know, he's at the high table, and he has the marker. And in this one, 
if it's the high table, screw the rules. They're just like, no, you went up against the high table, screw it. So even though, um, so even though Winston, you know, was totally within his rights to help John Wick, the high table's like, no, screw right. you. And the Bowery King was totally within his rights to help John Wick. So what if there was a contract on him? He could, he doesn't have to do anything with the contract. He can give him a gun and seven bullets. And they're like, no, we're gonna slice you up for that. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, okay, this is starting to look a little more more animal farmy than you guys were letting on you know and i and i think that's a pretty interesting thing um so it's showing that this is a little more of an autocracy than the other movies for sure showed yeah and i th- i think that's a great point and you know i i also think uh asia kate dillon is a great choice for the adjudicator oh, yeah. um just quick point the de- this is a we had a little ambiguous one, the last one. This is one of the definitive uh, they pronouns uh, for them through this movie. Thank uh, you. So, uh, you know, they're they're astonishing. Like, they're every time they're on screen. So uh, I like watching, like, Billions is a great show, and they're amazing in that. Oh, um, watch that but one. this is, you know, every time they're on the screen, it's like, yep, presence, carrying the scene every time. Absolutely. So, right, we get, we get the intro to the Continental, you know, you know, you gave yeah, you gave uh, John Wick an hour. You have a week to get your affairs in order. Yep. Kicking him out after forty years. Yep. Um. You know, same thing you were saying, Dom. And then you'll know, visit to the Bowery. You know, seven bullets, seven million dollars. Consequences: seven bullets. You get seven days. You're removed from your position by the table. Yep. And then, of course, you get like you know, uh, Fishburne being amazing. I am the throne. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Um. You know, stuff. Yeah. I mean, every time you get a chance to. For him saying things like "pigeons are the internet," no IP addresses. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how do you beat that? Oh yeah, you oh can. yeah, you can't. Right, and then we're introduced to the character that really is going to be their weapon to enforce all these rules that the high table is said it is calling down, and that's zero. Well, that's that's after the Casablanca scene, though. Oh, that is that's right. Okay, well, let's let me not get ahead, right? Oh yeah, so I mean, yeah, we so, get Casablanca, which right. is. So that's amazing. So that's our next. So all that's happening. We see those consequences being leveraged on, uh, on John Wick's friends, and then flash to John Wick. Now he's taken his flight to Casablanca, and he's there and meets with Sophia, and we get a little more uh, where we start to see. Oh, this is what those markers were for. Uh, so we learn more about John Wick, more about his past, and we're introduced to kind of the new action guest star for this movie last movie we had common in this movie that really holly berry fills that role i think um so good so yeah so let's talk about so casablanca uh we meet sophia we meet her former boss barada played by i can't even remember the actor's name but i just think of him as braun from yeah it's Game braun. Of Thrones, braun. right yeah, totally um and braun the wonderful dogs <laughs> Yeah, and then you get you get all those different scenes. So this does bounce a little bit. So it goes in between this and you know the adjudicator. So we can bounce between a little sure. bit. But if we talk about the whole Casablanca scene, like man, the action in this is just just tremendous. Like from from start to finish, it's just goes. Like you get the little bit of background again. Same thing. They're dripping it yep. in. Like oh, he saw he helped her with her impossible task. So now he's calling in a marker, even though he knows it's going to cause pain. You know, and I think somebody said, 
sometimes you have to kill what you love. Yeah, right. But that's, again, part of the theme is there's consequences. Everybody's yep. paying consequences through this whole movie. Um, yeah, I, kind of like a behind-the-scenes thing is uh, what I really appreciate is there's certain actors, and I, I they don't really tell you who they are. I don't know. Mike, you read the, the John Wick book. Maybe it tells you in there, but... Um, the training is so intense for these films in terms of what the actors have to go through, like literally six months. Um, they'll, they'll have people cast, they'll show up for training and they'll be like, I'm not doing this. Like they'll have people bail. And that's how Mark, uh, the cost um, sorry, Yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's wrong. right. Got, got the role of zero is because, you know, he, um, someone, whoever, like, a, I think maybe not like a super big name, but someone we would know was cast in his role. He was like, I'm not doing this training. And then they called Mark and got him in the role. But right. uh, what I, why I'm bringing this up is Holly Berry, like literally did six months of training. She was on board with it. Yep. She trained with the dog. She did everything like, and I, I kind of love it because she doesn't have a ton of screen time, but like you said, she is sort of like quote unquote, the, the big guest star in this movie, but right. she, she absolutely did the work. She was there every day. Um, you know, like Keanu levels of commitment to this physical training. Cause you're, you're showing up for the movie, but you're showing up six months early so you can get in physical, uh, in a physical place where you can pull it off. And that was the, the big thing that the director, um, Chad, I'm really good at his first chat. Thank you. Um, is he's like the best way to fake that you look good at martial arts on screen is is doing it, like knowing what you're doing. So right. that was sort of like the big commitment for the actors and the stunt performers is they the reason they they look good at doing it is because they're actually doing it. Right. And um, like so much so that like the dog training that Holly Berry did, like you know, like in other movies, like action movies, there's like an action dog sequence. Nothing as extensive as this is, you know, they'll have, you know, um, dog trainers, you know, off the screen and sort of like, you know, doing commands or holding treats to get things done. In this case, they made Holly Berry like the dog trainer, like they trained her like a dog trainer. So she has that connection on screen to those dogs. So everything's playing perfectly because it's not like someone off the screen the woman on the screen acting in the scene is the person connected to right oh yeah and i mean well while jason they had for the i think it's belgian malamirs is they, they had four puppies that they trained for seven months from birth to seven months to be in this movie like the detail the extensiveness and um like it's on un, it's unprecedented i can't think yeah. of or know of any other movie where they're just like oh this is what we're doing there's going to be dogs in this everyone's training with dogs they're going to be not only in a scene with dogs they're going to be the trainers <laughs> well also they're holly fucking barry like it's, right it's yeah un, it's unbelievable well right. the fact the fact that we get that scene after you know meeting her old boss going to a coin minting facility yeah you know, right we see the so we're building that again. It's the, these little tips to the world. Yep. You know. Uh. You know. Trying to find the elder, which that's that's our you know you know big scenes coming up. Trying to find the elder of the high table, um, and then you know the bad guy from, you know, it turns out a bad guy from uh, Game of Thrones is a bad guy and tries to shoot a dog. Like this. <laughs> this is a trend with Game of Thrones people. I don't. I don't like it. Yeah, that's um, true. So he there's a lot he, of dog violence. He shoots a dog, and. Dog thankfully has a you know bulletproof vest on, but I think the note note I wrote down in all caps is dog violence equals everyone must die. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's the currency of this movie. It's like if you hurt a dog, like you like, what happens if you hurt like an invertebrate? Do like ten people have to die? Because animal <laughs> abuse is pretty pretty epic in this movie. So a, a dog results in. 40, 40 to 50 people dying. If you step on a spider, at least three people have to die. <laughs> right. you know? 
<laughs> well, they have that great An octopus exchange. is about 25. Right. <laughs> well, they have human that dying is nothing, where, so that's really right? interesting. Yeah. <laughs> or like Holly Berry says to him, it's like, he shot my dog, and... And like, I get it. Response, I get John it. Go like, I get it. Right? Yeah, I get it. Right. I get it. That's a fun callback. But that's dude. the whole thing when he's like, no, because he knows he's like, you know, we could just leave or all this shit's going to happen. Right. 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 <laughs> well, and all I know is that the Belgian Melanois dogs, uh, they did not, they did not leave hungry. They were full. They were full of balls. They bit so many balls in those scenes. Like they were just, they were satiated after those scenes. They did such a good job. Man, did they chomp on some balls. Oh, they did. They oh, they show did. That, like, I, I guess they weigh around 60 pounds and they'd be dragging men that are 180 pounds, like across the set. Like they, oh. I, just the power of these dogs is insane. Well, what they were doing was so, so I, I paid attention to that. It's kind of interesting how they, I, I don't know a lot about attack dogs, but essentially um, what I noticed they were doing is they would go through for um, throat, forearm, crotch, crotch quite a bit, you know, <laughs> and, and basically take the guy down or distract the guy or occupy the guy enough. That the human could take it easy. That the, <laughs> that the human could shoot. So in in a sense, it was almost like they were takedown machines. Because that's yeah. what that's what happened the first John Wick. He'd take him down. He put him in some sort of lock or some sort of hold, and then he'd yep. shoot him right. so he didn't have to submit him. And I'm like, well, that's really great jujitsu. <laughs> this is like dog jitsu. The dog takes him down, and then he just shoots the guy. So it was so yeah. good. And yeah. like the whole scene, it just never stopped. And it yeah. was just constant action the dogs were amazing doing the huge jumps doing all that attack um and then not a lot of cuts either did you notice that it was yeah it was so good yeah yeah like because it's really was the work right i mean those Mm -hmm. big jumps and everything else it was amazing well and that's just like jay said like holly berry put in that work to train because she knew and i had read this the other actors had said like yeah chad's style in filming fight scenes that he likes the extended cut because it it's just so much more visceral and you know it feels real and we see it and she had to train like you don't get the oh just one two punches and then we're gonna cut like she had to have that stamina and jay i'm glad you brought up too the stuff with the dog set like she trained with them like this is she spent you know hours and hours you know at the gym at the studio with uh, with the fight coordinators, like, learning this stuff, getting ready, and then had these dogs living with her. So she's going home and doing hours and hours of dog training. And, like, it's really incredible, and it, it, we get the payoff of this. All the stuff we've been talking, like, these incredible scenes that... Uh, which is wild to me to think that someone like Holly Berry, who is probably has, like, other movies and stuff she's working on at the same time or getting ready, like, how do they have... How does she have the hours in the day to do all this and like she puts all that into the months and months this movie here now it's how many years old like she's gone on to other things like just just kill her well and then you know from there you know we get you know we get to finish we finish the whole thing yep um and you know she takes him to the edge of the desert so he can walk until he can't walk anymore and uh i think some of the some of the lines are you're gonna die john here in the desert or somewhere else so, and then she proceeds to feed the water he was she was going to give him to the dogs, yeah. pop it in her mouth, spit in the bottle, <laughs> spit. 
yeah. and gives him a bottle of spit water to walk into the desert with a black <laughs> suit on. Yeah. And then he walks through the desert with these just stunning vistas like this. Oh, beautiful. The fact that they did all that is amazing. That's not CGI. Are you sure? Like <sighs> They definitely went there because Keanu no, they was did. saying, yeah. you know, how, how kind of moving it was for him to be uh, in that. Yep. part of the world. Yep. Wow. Hey, they they spent impressive. the money. They've made they've made money on all these movies, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um yeah. so we are going to pivot back because we we jumped past uh, the adjudicator uh getting uh you know pulling in Mark Dacascos. Ah yes, let's, as let's zero. do that before we talk about the elder. Yeah, so we want to we want to do that. So this was two quick scenes where uh you know the adjudicator goes uh gets uh zero from his uh, sushi bar, roadside sushi bar, <laughs> which is Very awesome. Kill Bill Volume Two. Yes. Oh yeah, and especially, yes, yes, especially Absolutely. with his fake Japanese accent he puts on, yeah. which was just tremendous because he's trying to hide in plain sight. And he's serving. Doesn't he speak Japanese later on in the movie though? He does, but he doesn't do like he was speaking in like the, you know over-the-top Japanese-accented English. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right, yeah. for comedic effect, unlike the Japanese accent of Mr. Miyagi in right. Karate Kid, unfortunately. Yeah, whole different story. Um, so, and then he does fugu service, no soy, no soy, which I love. <laughs> and he was super excited to try to, you know, fight Wick. Mini and- science segment, mini science segment. Wait. So the reason fugu is toxic, don't do it. Don't do it, Chris. <laughs> Don't, I could see his, <laughs> your finger on it. Don't do it. <laughs> you got to do it now. <laughs> All right. Well, now you got to commit. Here's the mini side segment. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Fugu, the tox. So, Fugu is the blowfish or the pufferfish. Uh, or the porcupine fish. It's actually several different species, and they all have a toxo toxin called tetrodotoxin, right? And it's not in every area. It's in like the squishy areas, if you will. It's the in like the is- yeah, liver, ovary, eyes, and in the skin, but it's not in the muscles because it can cause muscle paralysis, and they probably aren't immune to it. I, that's my guess. Uh-huh. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, so that's why when you slice up fugu, you have to. You can give the because let's face it, sashimi is mostly muscle, fish yeah. muscle. So if you get any of the skin in there or the 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 subcutaneous fat. You can die. But if you don't, then you're fine. So you actually need a license in Japan to serve fugu. Oh, for sure. If fugu me. Survive, if, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I got to admit, guys, like I've only ever had sushi from like Wegmans. Wegmans? Oh, my God. Uh, I've don't, not had like real. What? So I need you like, live. OK, OK. All you guys, all you guys shut up. Shut, shut your holes. Uh, what I'm saying Michael is I need Hunter, someone to educate me. You lived in New York City for a year. And at no point you went to a sushi restaurant? Uh, I was 22, 23 years old. I ate a lot of uh, hot dog cart hot dogs and pizza because you could get $3 beers at the pizza shop. like Bacon, egg, and cheese with ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, that's so, it. So. All right. A future thing. Uh, this is me saying to my uh, educated friends Uncultured here. swine. Yes, yeah. I would you... like you to call it. Well, you know. Dom, we do happen to have a trip to New York City coming up, so I'm just yes, saying. So oh, all I know for sure runs. is, Mike, you know, you did your time in New York. You have served. You will be of service. <laughs> I will be of service. Um, oh, well said. Well. So, uh, and then we we do get a quick scene uh, where uh, Zero and his team go after uh, the director in the Ruska Roma, you know, walking through the performance. All of the oh, henchmen was yeah. just, just beautiful. 
Um, you know, the ticket doesn't stand above the table. You know, stabbing through the hands was just yep. awesome. Yep. Um, and then we're we're gonna oh, and then before we get to the high table, uh, he also goes after the Bowery King. So this yep. is, you know, a massacre of all the Bowery King's men, except yep. for Manzukas, of course, because he'll never yeah. die. Of course. Yeah. Um, you can't kill him. But seven bullets means you get seven cuts. Oh, man, that's vicious. And we get, yeah. I think, two of the most amazing Fishburne lines, like, in any <laughs> yes. movie. Yeah. Sometimes you got to cut a motherfucker. Yeah. Dude, he yeah. is at an 11, but it works. I don't know why or how. It was so good. Lawrence Fishburne could do that. And oh. then, the king is dead. Long live the king. And then live he just the gets king. sliced up. <laughs> uh-huh. So good. I feel like it was, right, that, so in the second movie... John Wick 2, we really let Ian McShane shine as Winston. And it feels like in this one, they're like, okay, we've given you Fishburne. Now you get the time to, now that the audience knows who you are, we're going to let you really shine here. So oh, that was awesome. Oh, yeah, it's so good. So so then he finally meets the the elder after he walks into the desert until he is about to die, until he collapses. And I... I, uh, interest- he walks towards the constellation Canis Minor, yes. which is the small dog. Which is also yeah, funny science. because nice nod that Keanu Reeves' band is Dog Star. Huh? Huh? Oh, well done, Mike. So, but my question for you guys is, uh, you know, he walks until he collapses and then, you know, the the elders people find him do they have like a, a drone flying above just waiting for him <laughs> okay, like did they okay. know or like, uh, that was a little hammy i'm Camels sorry that, no, this, or like, would you it was like, a little hammy it's like walk into the desert so you can't walk no more <laughs> then or like could you he have just then take... you will throw a jewel into the desert <laughs> right. and then a, I was a lion's head will come out and it will say touch nothing but the lamp aladdin like i mean come on like Give me a, it was a little mysterious has earned almost a science fiction uh, status at that point, so I'm I'm fine with all that flowers. Yeah, and yeah. like, could he have not. just? I don't care. Like, I just wonder, could he have just taken like three steps and been like, "Oh, I'm dying," and just, and then you're like, so like, peeking out. Like, yeah, I this? I do have to say, like, uh, I think this is my least favorite scene in all four movies. Um, okay. I think this out of everything, this was the this was the scene that I thought went too far with. Uh, you know, with all the, with the high table stuff and everything else, I thought this was the scene that I was too much. I thought this pushed it a little too far. And I thought this is where it went off the rails for this scene. I mean, after this, it recovers like no, no shade on the rest of the movie, but I thought this is where it went just a bit over the top. I think you're right on with that, Dom. It's just that it got a little bit hokey with the, you know, why do you wish to live one last chance to live a life? You know, all that kind of stuff is, I mean, I, I like some of it, but it was just a little hokey to my taste and the fealty and the I've served and I will be of service nonsense. Cutting off yeah. His I finger. thought it was a little hokey. Also like, I mean, you know, like, so I didn't need the level of introspection that they have, which is, is fine, but they're like, so, John, your wife's dead, your dog's dead, your house is blown up. Why do you give a shit? And they're right. like, well, I need to live to honor her. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you don't. Right. She, come on. I, 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 was, like, I was like, maybe you're, maybe it's just your survival instinct. 
maybe you don't know what else to do. Maybe you want to tell all these guys, fuck you. I'm going to not going to die. I'm going to die on my feet. Right. I don't care. You know, like it, it, the, that need to be introspective seemed a little like a little much just to add to your point. Uh, yeah, and like you know, it's got all the drapes in the in the desert yeah. and the camel, and I'm just like, really, this is what you're doing? Well, well, we'll you could have just called the guy, like, right? <laughs> Sorry, we'll, like we'll he's definitely... the he's the head of the high table. That dude is the highest, like. And that was another thing. I get the high table. That is the highest of the high table. Yeah. That's him. He well, that guy. Love it. Yes. And then Ran- to you, random dude in desert owns all the assassins on earth can we just throw that out there and (laughs) then he's like okay john cut your finger off you work for me now bye so i that's where we go i really wanted him to call uh to people who recognize this actor i really wanted him to call john my main man because i recognized him from uh three kings which is a fantastic movie oh nice three kings guy he is the iraqi interrogator that keeps calling uh What's it? It's Wahlberg, right? That he's torturing? Yes. Like my yes. main man or something like that. Oh, wow. That's nice. awesome. Well like now he's the, which if you haven't seen Three Kings, it's freaking awesome. So good. Uh, that is a yeah. great movie. But yeah. best movie. So, I mean, to, to be fair, so we, we will get a, we will get a brief callback to this in, uh, in, in John Wick 4. I'm not going to talk about the details, but, um, so we'll, we'll get back to that the next time, and that'll I think we'll we'll get the conclusion of that, obviously. Okay. Um, so, but I think what we can say is, you know, he gets his black suit with black tie. Wick <laughs> is back in black. He's just got the, the elder has this custom suit just hanging out in his tent. He's ready for Wick to be Wick, man. You got yeah. to be ready for John Wick. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Wick gets back to New York, and then all of his, all of uh, Zero's guys are now you know, circling around him and killing assassins because, you know, Wicks for zero. Um, but I, I, I just love the scene. So when we get, we get a motorcycle chase, we get motorcycle chase fights Oh yeah, with swords. I mean, how awesome was that too? Right. Yeah. The um, creators like um, Chad Stahelski, um, they watched this movie called Villainous, which is really good. And there's a fantastic, um, oh, the whole seen. movie is in point of view. It's, it's, um, like like almost like a video game style game. So they they were like watching this and like how the hell did he do to make this movie? Like this specifically the the motorcycle scene. So this scene was like an homage to Villainous because they broke it down and it's not like they called the creators, which they probably should have done. They they literally like they were have on the a set and figuring it all out. So I I thought that I kind of love that because they're always talking about their references in these films, whether it be westerns and or Akira Kurosawa, but in this film it's. Um, Oh, we we just watched this movie. It was there's a really cool uh, motorcycle scene. Let's break it down and kind of do it in this movie in our own John Wicky way. So I thought that's pretty cool. Also, uh, check out Villainous if you haven't. Oh yeah, you know another movie I heard at least for uh, Colstad, the writer. Who this is the first one I think. It's not just him. They brought in like four other writers to work on mm-hmm. this with him. So I wonder how wow. much that, um, you know, kind of leads into the the so much uh, that is in this movie. Right. Um, yeah, that I, makes a I, lot of sense. But I heard that another movie that was really influential for him, and this one is The Man from Nowhere, that is a movie that I really need to see. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, I think all that makes a lot of sense, because we, we do get these great beats, like, you know, right after this, we get, you know, Zero, both of them getting to the Continental. Oh, you know, basically, him just tagging yes. into the Continental was awesome. Yes, right. I love that. Um, but then when Zero just sits right next to Wick on the couch... <laughs> 
And he well, just he becomes gets... a fanboy, which I really thought that was interesting and almost meta, where he's just like, "Dude, I want to fight you because I fucking love you." Like, it was awesome. And, and even even Zero's kind of henchmen, his and and what's interesting too is in the making of stuff, they always refer to Zero and his crew as ninjas, but they didn't want to kind of make it like hokey right. or like over the top. So they they don't call them ninjas in the movie, but Zero and his crew are absolutely ninjas, and that's why like in the the glass or not a, yeah glass house you know I'm jumping ahead, but it's just like they're kind of hiding in plain sight i mean it's all know, coming in walls are glass but you know because they're ninjas they 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 get it done so I, I, yeah um, and that was great i love we we do get a little bit of the fan service like oh, oh is this yeah. the dog is this yeah, that? yeah is this so the great. dog yeah well, well that, read, that was fun that. i read that uh the book i'd mentioned before um that that was mark's idea to make him a fanboy and mm-hmm. they said he came up on the fly so that great scene with the couch that that was his idea that when they did a read through, like a walkthrough for it, none of that was planned out. And he said, like, you know, Keanu sat down and he decided he's like, what'll be the weirdest thing? I'm going to go and sit. And he's like, and I got so close to, he's like my, like <laughs> my butt brushed against him. And he's <laughs> like, look, he's like, he's like trying not to die laughing. And, and like, then he gets up and moves and it's like, what? So and, good. and right. And I think Mark was like, is that too much? And they're like, no, this is freaking great. It's We're putting great. this in the yeah. movie. Like, it's, it's just wonderful. this fun, like, uh, one of the things, I mean, we liked about that. We talked about that in John Wick too. Like the kind of, uh, just these resets that we have at the Continental that make it such a, a fun place that, uh, you know, like. John Wick and, and Common. To, oh, now we're gonna stop and have a drink, and yeah, now we're gonna have yeah. real close couch sitting. So, <laughs> oh, and then and then we get you know we get to you know we've had some beautiful shots in the movie, but then we get this big glass, the glass office, and it's this is just another like stunning scene, but it's like a tower defense too. Oh yeah, like they set it up right then, like oh you're going up the levels in this beautiful glass thing. And like, this is obviously where things are going with right. the levels, but it was beautiful. And then it's, you know, him and Winston having this great, you know, what are we going to do? Are you going to li- live and kill for the table or die as a man fighting for what he believes in? <laughs> and that is not a pre-existing structure. Like they built that literally multi-million dollar set right. um, for this movie. Wow. And the, the Just guys, to smash it. Exactly. So the, the raid guys, the actors that from the raid, they they are asking the director, like, so what happens with this when this is done? Like, are like, you know, what is the next purpose of this glass structure? And and uh, Stahelski was like. Oh, we're, it just gets demolished. Like the the raid guys uh, were blown away that like, oh, you you just you know just you know get rid of this, like throw it in the trash when it's done, even though it costs you millions of dollars to build. That's and Hollywood yes, money, that baby. Answer. It's unbelievable. I mean, did they, those... did they like want to keep one of the glass skulls? By the way, <laughs> did they say? Did I miss something? Like, I know they they had like they had like samurai armor, which was pretty cool, and yeah, a bunch yeah. of other stuff, but a bit a bunch of glass skulls. I'm not mistaken, right? No, like, they, they were but, awesome. What was what was it just for aesthetic, or was like were those like the first people that founded this society? They yeah, like the glass, they like the molded assassin. their skulls and then made a glass cast of their skull. That's actually really cool. That's the backstory. I just yeah, Samuel Ooh, Jackson, I like that. I was thinking they're either yeah, exactly. I thought maybe they were the aliens from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, or their what's the what's the vodka? Is it that has the <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Skull vodka? Yeah, it's just a bunch of that. He, Winston really likes that vodka. He loves Dan Aykroyd. Um, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? But know? I mean, we did get some great great speeches there, and then the adjudicator comes in and says, 
you're not stepping down? I don't think so. Which says, you're going to kill him? Like, no, I don't think so either. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that for a moment because we talk the rules, right? And again, the the Dom, you mentioned this before. Like, we get rules and then the rules are broken. You know, going back to, like, the elder, the idea that, like, there's a high table. Oh, but there's a guy that stands above it and he can just overrule everything that the high table. So all the kind of rules and stuff, it's kind of like, hey, bullshit, if the... If the elder decides, I'm going to give you this task, and Wick says, yep, I'm going to take this task, and then shows up there and is, nope, not doing it. Like, well, what's the point? Like, this is where I started feeling a little bit of rule fatigue that I'm like, what is the point (laughs) of any of these things when, I don't know. What did you guys think? I I mean, I I agree. Yeah, it it was, that was a little much, like I said, I think the part, like the, the desert part was my biggest problem. I think from there on, I was good with it. You know, because at that point, hey, you're not following the rules. Well, here's your deconsecration, and we're bringing in all the baddies with uh, with armor right. to take down your place. And, yeah, it, it's this one is a lot of over-the-top from basically the desert scene on. Right. Um I think so. A lot of, it, of plot devices too. Yeah. Like I feel like I feel like I'm getting I'm like clearly it's a plot device to do this and clearly it's a plot device to do that. Yep. I didn't feel like the plot devices were as transparent in the in the the second one and I didn't really think there were many plot devices at all in the first one. But this seems like very plot devicey too. Which is like once again to suspend your level of disbelief you're like okay, you're this part of the plot is there so you can have armored guys go in and make John Wick shoot them in the throat because that's the only place that they're right. they're right. they're Exposed. killable. Yeah. Which is pretty freaking cool. It's so awesome. like I'm not too mad about it. Right, but, right. But yeah, from from a from a like an from like an academic standpoint, it's like no 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 no. You yeah. know, but eh, who cares? <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, that I, scene was awesome with the green lights. Well, I think oh, yeah. right. I think that's the point. Like it like it was over the top from then on to the out, but like I think everything other than the desert scene still still worked because we got you know the amazing I mean the reloads because they really focused on the reloads in oh, that yeah. scene. Man, Wick shotgun reloads were just oh, awesome. Yeah. Just like bam, 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 just hammering away, and it was so cool. Um, and we got hey, we got Lance Reddick fighting too. We got Lance yeah, Reddick that in was the battle. Awesome. Oh, Especially again, uh, R.I.P. Lance Reddick. It made it even cooler to see that, like, get him to watch him, you know, fully partner with John Wick and go badass. Well, and then this. right, and then you also get just Winston sitting in the office drinking whiskey or cognac, playing yep. classical music, just sitting <laughs> yeah. there, just like, just with waiting. the dog, and the dog's yeah. just like, "What's going on?" Right, 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 right. <laughs> just so waiting good. for the next thing. We get the little nod to the red circle through one of the scenes. Because yeah. uh, they walked through a hallway is basically the same layout as the red circle. They had the water going into the water, and that that was great. Yep. Um, you know, you get through that whole scene, which is you know just the armor and everything. Then you get to zero time back in the glass room, which I I, I think this is one of the top fight scenes in like all of the movies because man, those guys from the raid are just awesome. Oh, They're yeah. so much yeah. fun. The the talent they had. Is just mm-hmm. astonishing on screen. It just pops. Oh, absolutely. I also love the tie into the raid. And they survive. 
Mm -hmm. I love they that. They survive. He doesn't kill them. Respect. Also, they don't kill him when they have a chance. Not because they couldn't, but because they're like, we want to kill you on your feet. And so they right. help him up. He knocks them down eventually. And then he leaves them. They might be the only two survivors. Yeah. Yeah. Out of like, what are we at? Three hundred bodies at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was great. I mean, we got so many great great little moments in there. You know, those huge glass breaking noises, breaking oh, yeah. you know the glass cases, uh, the swords hitting the glass. Oh my god, did I love the swords scratching the glass as oh, they're right, fighting yes. in there? Yeah. Just visually stunning. And then you get the zero wick fight oh, with fantastic. the huge Winamp visualizer in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yes, right. Yes, yes. Um, but, I mean, that was, it was so much fun. Yeah, if I didn't have to kill you, we'd be pals. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's just wild to think, going back to the first movie, like all this, like, quick action, very tactical, uh, you know, brutal uh, gun-fu to here where it's, again, like it's a lot of the swords and the, uh, you know, the evolution of, the action in this movie is wild. And it's interesting that like, I kind of like, especially for us and like the show that we do that. I feel like each one, it leans more into martial arts, um, you know, where we see some of that in the first one, but uh, there's definitely a very strong emphasis on like the tactical action. And then, uh, you know, it's cool to see it expand into this, uh, you know, this other, the martial arts universe. Yeah. And the, you, you still get that little comedy at the end with, uh, Zero saying, hey, John, it's a pretty good fight, huh? <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That they always, they, there's always kind of like underlying sense of humor, which I think kind of just sells everything even better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we get to, we get to the, to the denouement. We get to adjudicator time. You know, it's negotiations going to the roof. And that, I think that was the, that was the scene that was the biggest surprise. I saw this in the theater uh, opening night, and I knew nothing. I knew right. nothing except for I, I don't even remember if I knew that Mark DeCoscos was in it, but I knew almost nothing about the movie. I really try not to know anything before I see these. Mm-hmm. And when this scene happened, I was like, "What the? What in the fuck right. just happened?" Yeah. I was very conflicted. Yeah, we get the you know the moment we're all talking about the betrayal mm-hmm. by Winston, who's been his steadfast guy through all of this movie and all the movies, right? He's been it even when he had to excommunicado and he gave him the 60 minute break or the, you know, the 60 minute head start for sure. And just on a dime. That's that's off a building, right? (laughs) Shoots him off a building. (laughs) What's more cutting to me, even obviously Winston hurts, but even Lance Reddick's character, like being, uh, you know, going along with Winston, you're almost expecting him to, you know, take John's side, but no, like, they're just like, it's so cold blooded. It's so messed up. I thought it was a ruse at first. I was like, no, it's like, oh, it's like, I thought it was part of the plan when they were making the plan. It's like, okay, so we're going to kill a bunch of their dudes. So they're going to want to negotiate. I'm going to shoot you in your bulletproof vest. You're going to take a bunch of falls off of the building. And then the bow, uh, and then the, the bow, the Bowery King is going to take you away and we'll figure it out later. So they'll think you're dead. And if you want to go do whatever, you can i'm like it's not it sounded i really thought it was like a ruse and then like i'm like no wait he actually did that 
What yeah. a prick. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is why I can't wait to get to John Wick 4, which I still, I have not seen yet. So I'm excited to go into it. I don't know much about it, but I'm like, oh, I, now I really want to know. Like, yeah. So, and, I mean, and I'm going to, br- uh, Chris, if I can, yeah. I'd like to bring up what you said before about how you're like, um, how you were talking about this, the movie. I can't remember how you, how you phrased it. Um, it more over the top and for sure. I, I find, I found with this movie, I knew when I saw it, the fourth one had already come out. So I saw yeah. it at home. Knowing that this isn't the last movie diminishes it a little bit. Because if I was watching the movie in the theater, I'd be like, oh my God, oh my God, what else is going to happen? What else going to happen? But when the movie ended, and I'm like, all right, he's still alive. Everything's turned upside down. So it kind of, I don't want to say it cheapened the movie, but like it made it a bit more filler feeling at the end. I'm like, you did all that and then you just got betrayed and now you're in the sewer and that's it. So, so like, like I said, it wasn't bad. I was just saying like, now that I know there's a fourth, like going in, knowing there was a fourth one, it, it felt a little more fillery to me. I don't yeah. know. I, I think that's reasonable, but I mean, I think it was really nice that we ended off on just the build to the fourth one. Yeah. With, you know, oh, the adjudicator finding that Wick's, Wick's gone. Uh, you know, the dogs chasing Wick being pushed in a shopping cart by Jason Manzoukas. Oh, oh, yes. One more time. Fishburn's alive. He's like, they took a ficker, a finger. Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, which, which speaking of the finger, so that was something I'd read that, like Stahelski, uh, maybe some of the other, like the editor people on it were talking about. They kind of were pissed at themselves for just adding in that touch of having Keanu cut off his finger. Cause they're like, now every time we do so, we have to go back and make sure we edit that finger out. Digital work. <laughs> right. So they've just they're like, we could have done anything else that would have resulted in us not having to do this in every scene. Yeah. Have him but take a toe. He's always wearing shoes. Right. Right. We don't right. get any celebrity foot shots of Keanu. In this. <laughs> and oh, ear. He's got long hair. You'd never know. Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then we get, you know, the awesome ending with, with him asking, I'm going to ask you, John, how do you feel? You pissed, John? And then Wick turning his head with bloodshot eyes, oh, yeah. just saying, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. it goes right to credits. I'm like, all right, I'm ready for the fourth one right now. <laughs> so I think uh, what I'm kind of interested in from, from you guys, so out of the three that we've talked about so far, what what's your ranking after seeing the first three? So, so I'll Jay, jump in here uh, quickly and say that I didn't have the issues that uh, you guys had. And every time I watch one of these movies, it becomes my favorite movie uh, of that moment. Completely <laughs> fair. Um, to me, like the plot is almost bulletproof because like you said, Dom, like you have issues with certain scenes. And Chris, like you said, like when he goes to meet the, the, the boss of the high table, it's like, what, what are we doing here? Like as long as cool shit's happening within the sketchy plot steps, like even like think about like when they're going to um, Braun and where he's, you know, it almost feels like a like a school <laughs> school like field trip. Like, oh, we're gonna go to see where they make the coins and where they make the markers. Yeah. Like, uh. As long as cool shit happens there, which it does with the the Always. dogs, the tactical dogs, and the it, it, like, as long as cool shit's happening within that potentially sketchy plot step, I'm all on board. So I I love this movie. If I had to rank them, that is such a good question. Uh, like while I'm watching it, obviously three is my favorite because I'm watching it and it's John Wick. 
But if, if I had to like take a step back, I think I'd go one, two, three. But but while I'm watching three, it's my favorite movie. Yeah, I think I have to go along with you. But you know, going off your thing, you know, with the field trip, um, a little bit of a spoiler for John Wick four when they go to Colonial Williamsburg uh, during that movie on a field trip. It's just it's just beautiful with the cannons and it's just, just really something. Uh, um, I think I agree with you, Jay. I think going into three, I think it was one, two, three was my order as well. Um, you know, I think two was a great expansion, but it was hard for me to not rank one the highest out of the first three. It's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. I think it's easy. I think it's easy. Not that I, I like them all. I like yeah. them all. But John Wick won, and I said this last time, and I said it the first time, I, I, I'm i an emotional guy. Yeah. And I like emotional movies. Action movies don't have to just be like, you know, and, and John Wick movies are emotional movies, but the first one is a truly emotional movie. It's a movie about revenge. It's a movie about heartbreak. It's a movie about betrayal. It, it's a movie about about being a husband, also being a parent of a total asshole, all that stuff yeah. is there. And then the second one, even though the action's bigger, it's more of a survival movie. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, it's kind of a survival movie, kind of a revenge movie. But at this point, I'm like, you know, I felt for John Wick in the first one. I really did. I was like, I hope this fucker kills everyone to avenge <laughs> his dog. And then the second one, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Let's see if he makes it out. And in this one, I'm like, I hope he wins. You know, because <laughs> like, at this point, I'm like, you got your revenge. Like, you're, you know, like, if you get shot in the head, it would be surprising. And it'd be sad that the series was over, but I don't have that same sympathy for you I did at first. That's now, right. don't get me wrong, all the cool stuff is happening, and the third movie has more cool stuff than the second, and the second has more cool stuff than the first, which definitely offsets that. Right. So, like, the increased spectacle makes up for the decreased emotional connection, but not enough for me to rank it higher. So I go one, two, three. As That's well. fair. Very well said. You went the same on that, Mike? Yeah, I'm going to go in the same order. I mean, I've, th- I, you know, I've said before, I think that the first one, to me, is a nearly perfect action movie. Yeah. And that it's just, it's super tight. It's, there's no wasted time or space. The action is so, it's just so tight. It's in a way that we time. don't really see for, yeah. like, shoot 'em up type movies. It's, <clears throat> it's incredible. And the emotional weight. Um, you know, and it's tough. I think I could go either way with two or three. Um, I think that three, I get a little bit of that action fatigue and that, uh, just at some point when you're like walking through the desert and it almost feels like, ah, oh, man, we're like, uh, you know, we're really going, we're really going out there, uh, which isn't necessarily a problem, you know, a movie that will, uh, uh, that reminds me a little bit of, uh, the movie that some fans could think this might be in the same universe. The raid is kind of like that. The first one is super tight and super focused, and then the second one, it's like let's blow up everything, and it and it's fantastic. It works. I mean, I don't. I think it works here. It's just uh not quite. I, the biggest thing for me is that I you know it's usually performances that carry it for me, and I just man, Common in the second movie was so charismatic, was so good, and I thought they did a good job of giving us a reason to care about him and to see him as kind of like the anti or like counterpart to John Wick, like. Yeah, we connect. He's doing his, his charge was killed. Like, uh, so I think they do a really good job of making a 
Like, and I like Mark in this movie. I just think he's not quite as compelling as as common. And I how like Holly Berry's good, but she's not in it a lot. So I think it's yeah, just yeah. it's not quite as focused. But I mean, as we've all said, like it's I, I'm not gonna complain about having to sit down and watch any of these no. movies. So yeah. I think what I want to leave this on is you know I'm not gonna hype up for too much. But what I'll say is your order will not be in order after four. <laughs> there is zero chance it's going to be a number order after four. Oh, okay. Um, oh, like it that. is like when you talk about runtime, definitively not the shortest. You think this was, you think this was longer? Four? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Almost going all the hours. way up to like 250 something. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. But you know what? They have, I will say for... These movie, even this one, that's bigger and longer, and there's a lot. Even though there's parts of it that I think we all feel like, eh, this could have been shortened. Or, uh, no scene feels wasted. It's still like I, at each moment, I feel like the stuff, the places we went, the things we were ex- <laughs> exposed to or introduced to, were all interesting and good. Like I never felt like, yeah, I wish they didn't go to Casablanca. Like that was kind of a waste of time. Yeah. It wasn't. Like all of it. Like whether we think. Did it have the same weight like that? You know, when we've discussed about that, but it's still yeah. so. So I'm on board. Yeah, like, yeah, know, I, I agree with you. I am a you know me. I my constant gripe about movies is nowadays they're way too long, and people think a better movie is a longer movie because Titanic was once really long, and now every movie has to be long. And I don't feel like the John Wicks have lost something being longer I, my my gripes are my gripes for what they are they're not many right but they did not have to do with they do not have to do with pacing and they do not have to do with longevity i think as far as balancing the movie all three movies are balanced great at no yeah. point did i get bored at right. no t- at no point was i like this is monotonous and by the way this these movies could easily become monotonous yeah easily 100%. and they don't and and so I think that that is a testament to the filmmakers. Yeah, like absolutely. they are not monotonous at all, even though like half the movie is just, you know, just murder. And right. and yet like it's constant, constant murder with only a small range of weapons and a small range of techniques. And the whole time you're like, this is amazing. I love it. So <laughs> right, right, right. no, seriously. And, and yep. I think that takes real talent because there are war movies and there are fighting movies that I've been like, OK, I get it. Jesus. You know, this movie, <laughs> yeah. none of these movies am I like, OK, I get it. Let's go. No, I'm just like. Wow! Every yeah. time, and so that's what makes John Wick John Wick. And I'm Absolutely. I'm I'm really excited for for you guys to see four, because uh, it's I I I had such an amazing time watching it in the theater. Um, yeah, it's it's just it is a fucking ride, and the fact. So what I'll say, the only thing I'm going to say about it is, we're talking two hours fifty plus flies by flies by oh i can't wait i'm telling you this it is it's a stunning movie and i'm really excited to talk about it it's uh we'll uh we'll we'll be back very soon and talking about wick four this is yeah this it's great joining you guys for another episode this was this is a blast yes absolutely um dr demore do we have uh extra science for this time or we want to yeah i think i think you know let's let's roll into it yeah um We'll roll into it, and then uh, I think what we're going to do, we're going to see you guys next time for Wick 4 right after. That sounds great. Yeah, so 
Uh, Dr. DeMore, if you could close us out with a another stunning science segment on top of all the little shreds of science that you've already blessed us with. Uh, yeah, let us go out with that, and then we'll be back again soon with John Wick 4. See ya. With science. Yes, science. Science. It's not rocket science. Just say yes and we'll move on. Science. I don't think science knows, actually. Fly me with science. Oh, it's got to feel good, doesn't it, Dom? Isn't that, isn't that great with the new intro? I love the new intro. It's great. It sounds really good. <laughs> so much fun making that. I'm, re- I'm really happy with that. So uh, I'm glad you like it. But I'm really excited I'm, to hear about science today from I'm, John Wick I'm 3. I'm absorbing it. I'm just absorbing <laughs> it. All right. So um, we're going to start off with a quote. Cry havoc and let's slip the dogs of war. A quote from Julius Caesar, which I said a lot like Troy McClure, actually. <laughs> um, so today I'm going to talk about dogs of war, literally, because let's face it, this movie has some amazing fighting dogs. See, I thought and for so... a second you were going to give us a whole segment on Troy McClure, which would have been awesome, but <laughs> the fighting dogs were also awesome. You might have heard of me from such shows as Punches and Popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so so i just got curious i actually don't know anything about training dogs or anything like that but i figured for the science segment i'd teach myself and then i'd make teach you a little bit so if you recall when we talked about the history of the domestication of dogs dogs have been domesticated for a long 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 time but as far as dogs use in war Modern warfare is actually a lot newer than the dog, as well as writing. So, so we don't have a lot of records from prehistory on dogs of war. But once, once we started writing stuff down, dogs were right there killing people, and people were killing them. So, like, uh, so it's like, se- uh, you know, 700 BC, the Ephesians used them in like wars. Um, they use the Greeks used them against the Egyptians, which is actually funny. So the Ephesians used them in war. They had one fighting dog per soldier on horseback. Ooh, wow. It was actually really, they were like, they were like, you know, partners in crime, which is really nice. The Greeks, though, fought dirty against the Egyptians. The Egyptians worshipped dogs and cats and a bunch of other animals because all their gods were like half animal, right? So what did they do? They put a bunch of animals on the front line. So the Egyptians were like, uh, uh, what, 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 what do we do? (laughs) And it messed them up. I I do want to watch the buddy, the buddy animal movie with the fighting dogs and the war horses. I'm sure that would be a really good one. Great for kids. Great for kids. (laughs) Great for kids. (laughs) Uh, There's actually was a mural painted of a soldier that died with his dog in the Battle of Marathon in 490. Xerxes used Indian hound dogs against the Greeks. Um, the Romans went nuts with dogs. They had the Romans love their war dogs. They used them to expose gorillas and gor- not not the African gorilla, gorilla with an EU, um, for all kinds of. So so if they were trying to invading an area, and you know their soldiers are pretty much just the kind of soldiers that would walk up and poke you with sticks, you know. So they didn't, weren't good at guerrilla warfare. So the dogs did that work. Um, there were Celtic soldiers at 120 BC. 
supposedly the Celtic soldiers, I believe the king is king's name was pronounced Bituito. He had an army that was supposedly only dogs and a couple handlers, and that was it. So See, that was literally the dogs of war. It's very dogs. different than the modern Celtic army. I mean, they just traded for Drew Holiday, which is really exciting for uh, for their stature in modern society. But, you know, it, yeah, I know they're not quite as tied as people like to say they are. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the, this, is, this is the crossover audience of modern NBA basketball and martial arts movie podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second time you've brought up the NBA. I'm actually kind of impressed. Yeah. Um. So as we start to move into uh, the uh, you know the common era AD whatever you want to call it you start to get more more familiar styles of dogs of war so so most modern breeds were not in existence until very recently and I'll bring this up later but like for example mastiff style dogs like the breeds that eventually led to the modern mastiff were used by conquistadors to scare Aztecs Incans because they were enormous and it's scary dog even though every mastiff i've met has been really sweet and adorable i'm sure if it tried to bite me i'd be like oh my god yeah big one um moving on moving on to the present well not the present moving on to the 20th century uh world war one world war two tons of dogs and like there were war dogs were super common um world war one sergeant stubby is the famous georgetown dog uh, it was the most decorated dog in World War Two. In World War in World War One, World War Two was kind of nuts. Everyone seriously did weird things with dogs. Um, so the U.S. Marine Corps loved Dobermans. The Doberman was their like was their mascot. Uh, but they allowed all dogs in, and they called them the War Dogs of the Pacific. So anyone could donate their dog to the military, and huh. they let the dogs fight, and the dogs fight and. They brought them back home. It was quite a story. The most famous one was Chips. He's the most decorated dog of World War II. The Soviets, in true World War II Soviet manner, trained dogs to be suicide bombers. I'm yeah. not kidding. They strapped them with bombs and had them run towards tanks. But they're dogs, so they ran back and they chased their own tanks. <laughs> so, well, they also. So, said, what happens when a dog chases a car? He blows it up. Well, yeah. it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't a great idea. They, they also sent idea. dogs to space. I mean, like the, yeah, there there was very little <laughs> chance of return. I mean, the the radio communiques from. Uh, from the from that dog, we were not helpful in getting him back to the <laughs> to uh to the homeland. He's in Canis Minor. <laughs> <laughs> so Vietnam rolls around, and Vietnam we were kind of dicks to dogs, and this makes me kind of sad. I feel like all the shady shit that we did in Vietnam, the dog stuff was equivalent. Because in all those other American wars, we treated the dogs like heroes. We brought them back. We honored them. We, you know, all that stuff. In Vietnam, there was five thousand war dogs that went off to war. Like a bunch of them were killed in action, but the ones that survived, they either euthanized or just left there. Which is the only war that they, we did that in. Shame on us. All well, right. I mean that, now, that doesn't that doesn't sound not like what happened to a lot of veterans as they came back either. Yeah. It's it's not like we treated them great either when they came back. I think it's we could go ahead and look at that as eh, maybe a little misstep here and there on ethical treatment of everybody. 
Yeah, but you know that, like, you know the the picture of Lieutenant Dan on uh, New Year's New Year's Eve. Uh huh. <laughs> Basically, I see that, but with a dog's face. In the <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, so as far as like uh, modern warfare, we use them in a very different way because weapons are so much better. So you're you're not just gonna like you know like have the dogs fight as much so a modern war dog is typically called a police dog or a military working dog this is traditionally german shepherds um but now it's been recently changed to the dog that we see in john wick 3 which is uh the belgian shepherd specifically the belgian uh, i think it's pronounced uh malinois malinois yep Melanois. Thank you very much. The Belgian Melanois, which is a, a, a variant on the Belgian Shepherd. It's, I don't want to say better than a German Shepherd, but it's smaller and has a better sense of smell. So where it loses intimidation, it makes up for in in being like sneakier and having a better sense of smell. Also, less, um, less what insanely they, crossbred where they're not completely pronated with their back legs, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, what we've done to all these breeds over time is just that's another story don't even, don't even get me started Ugh. the english bulldog the english bulldog's existence is essentially animal abuse oh, but it's, i'm it's gonna awful. That out. so so back in the day they used to outfit dogs with like armor mm-hmm. and like the romans had like dogs with spikes and armor now they outfit the dogs with a tactical vest which has cameras, mics, so it can communicate with the handler. And sometimes they get goggles, which, by the way, seeing a German Shepherd in goggles is adorable. So it's cool. absolutely adorable. Um, now, as far as the Belgian Shepherds uh, that were used in the movie, there's some famous ones. Um, there's a one that caught Conan. Uh, there was one named Conan that caught Abu, uh, Abu Bakar of Al-Qaeda. Wow. Uh, there, and... Yeah, and one of my favorites is one named Killer. Killer, and, and I'm an animal lover, as everyone who listens to this show know, knows. Killer was a resident of Kruger Park, and he worked for the Rangers there in South Africa. He has caught 115 poachers, and we're talking about people that kill zebra, rhino, lion. So you know what? Killer's my hero. Oh, yeah, right. that's awesome. That, now, I'm going to close out with a little bit on the history of this breed, because these Belgian Shepherds, because one of the things I think people don't realize, and I brought this up last time I talked about dogs, is how new most modern breeds of dogs are. So the Belgian Shepherd and the German Shepherd came from similar stock. Both breeds only became really ref- refined, I guess would be the term, down to their modern type of dog in the 1890s. Wow. So if you went back in time, like 400 years, you wouldn't find German shepherds running around Germany. It's actually not the case. If you go back 300 years, you wouldn't find any Labrador retrievers or golden retrievers or dachshunds. Like a beagle might exist, but it would be very different. Most of the kennel club breeds are modern inventions that are derived from old working dogs or old, you know, dogs like like novelty brand novelty breeds of dogs. So, I mean, that's, um, that's why back then they just called all the boyfriends just had generic dog energy instead of big golden <laughs> retriever energy. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Belgian shepherd was bred, uh, actually a professor was assigned to breeding it. Um, I forget his name, but in 1891, what was happening is they weren't using shepherds as much in Belgium. So they worried about the breed going extinct. So he was basically assigned to 
isolate dogs that defined the the uh, shepherd breed the best, which is like just over a hundred of them, and breed them and breed them to standardize the breed. And what happened is that resulted in four breeds, and uh, the Milanois one is the most popular, which is named after the city that it came from. In fact, all the Belgian shepherd breeds came are named after the city hmm. and this breed is, is is a very nice breed it's a very obedient breed like i said it's a good sense of smell and it's clearly very fast as you can see in the movie so a lot of military dogs are now this and replacing the german shepherd hmm. so that's a little history on the dogs of war and that's all i got and we have let dom loose from his obligation doing his science segment thanks for finishing this out and as the producer uh, on duty right now, I'm going to finish off the show. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Punches and Popcorn. And we'll be back next time with John Wick 4. This has been a presentation of the Lunchroom Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs>